Hello and welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast discussing the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer and feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebri. And my name is Jessica Tercero. And this week we are in our third Halloween season. This is this our is... third. We're coming up on th- the third season. So this is what, three years? This is three years. This episode should be our three-year anniversary. Ooh, so look at us. Three years of consistent. Po- yeah, and we do it. I don't think we've we've taken like one small break. Other than that, it's yeah, been consistent. We we took a small break in June 2020, and yes. other than that, we I don't think we've missed one week. I or, don't think uh, so. Yeah. So, look but at we're us. back. It's Halloween time. Celebrate us on this third season. That we decided that we are going to uh, put a ring on it. We've been doing We're put it a ring for on it. you know three years now, so I guess it's time, commitment wise. It so we're is here. Time and get the fuck ready because we are talking about Ring and the Ring. Um, we're talking about the original Japanese film of the same name and its American remake within several years. Eric, you've been wanting to do this forever. So, um, yeah, last October, I had propositioned doing The Ring and Ringu as like, because I just, I The Ring was one of my favorite scary movies as a kid. I think and even on our one year anniversary, you were like, let's do this. I and think I was so, like, I also. don't know if I'm ready. Yeah. But now I've built up that, like, you know, that tolerance. And now I'm just like, yeah, let's, let's go. Because it. it's also one of the ones when we first started this podcast that, like, I've always wanted to watch Ringu. I've never watched the original and I've always wanted to, but then since we we're doing this, I was like, I'm gonna wait and I'm gonna watch it for the first time for the podcast, which Aww. we did, and it was such a treat, and I'm really happy I got to because it's been one of those. I mean, similarly with um, what is it, Juwan and the Grudge? Um, oh yeah, I've been wanting to watch. I've never seen that. I, well, I've never seen either one of them, and I've wanted to see them both for the longest time. And so maybe later we'll talk about it. But OMG, make um, our dreams come true. I know, but yeah, The Ring. Um, Jess, what is your history with this? All idea right. with the series with this so stuff. as a child i had violent night terrors and i would also like sleepwalk and stuff so in fact one time i had surgery and i had to have like pins put in my like my finger because like it broke in a weird ass way and i had a night terror in the hospital while i was like flailing about with my cast on and apparently I almost knocked a nurse out like I mean she got hit in the head and like almost got knocked out because I had Whoa. this like wild violent night terror anyways all that to say y'all know that I do not I growing up did not watch scary movies so uh that was not a thing that I did the ring when it came out for some reason <laughs> was an exception I think I, maybe I had like one of my awful boyfriends made me watch this with him because I can't think of another reason why I would have watched this, but I did watch it and it scared the living shit out of me and I had to sleep with the lights on for like at least a month and I had like a bunk bed that had like a ladder that reminded me of the ladder, so I had to take that down and like put it under my bed (laughs) because I was like, I'm not doing this. Um, Like I had like this mirror that like reminded me of the mirror and I was just like, I had to put that away. Like, I mean, all of these things, it's like, oh my God, I'm seeing the signs. It's seven days. I'm going to die. Okay, well, seven days is up, <laughs> but that doesn't mean anything. It's, you know, it could take a minute, but like legit scared out of my fucking mind. Yeah. So that's, that's <laughs> me. <laughs> How about you? 
I mean, my history started with the first movie. I remember my brother and I would like look at the trailer and be like, that's so scary. Eventually he went and saw it. I, as a kid, I, I was so intrigued by scary movies. I never saw them. I was too scared to partake, but I would love to like speculate, but I would never watch them because it was just like, it's, it's too scary. I can't do it. And he famously in our familial lore uh, ran out of the theater uh, during <gasps> oh this movie. Oh my goodness, really? And it was particularly at the scene when they're at the um, the wake for the first girl who dies. Yeah. And the mom was like, the look on her face. And then it cuts to the girl in the closet and her head like swings to the side and you see like the corpse face with like her jaw broken and stuff. Um, apparently my brother screamed and just like ran out of the theater and yes. he never finished it. Yes. He's like, like I, I actually can't do this. Ah! And okay. that, because <laughs> as somebody who also did not see it and was too scared of it, the fact that my brother like literally had to flee <laughs> at the beginning of the film, <laughs> had to flee the theater because it was so terrifying. I was like, this is probably the scariest movie that's ever been made. I'm calling it now. It's probably the scariest thing. I'll never watch it. That's just it. And so it's always held this like power over me because of this. And then eventually I watched it and I was like, oh, that was pretty scary. Like that was pretty good. That's pretty fucking scary. Um, and then I just, I loved all of the other sort of like scary movie making fun of it scenes that they would, they did so much of it in, I think it was scary movie three or four, but yeah, I, I really liked the ring when it came out or like when I saw it and, um, it, it's, it's just been on my list as like something that I've really enjoyed and has a, has a n nice little soft place in my heart. So I'm really happy that we're doing it. You know, something funny. So I never watched scary movies growing up, but I did watch scary movie. Yeah, I think exactly. Scary movie too. So like <laughs> yeah. all of like the pop culture ethos things that I know are probably from Scary Movie, which you know, it's good. It's it's how we learn sometimes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, same. Like half of that stuff too. I was like, I don't really get the reference, but then I'd, I'd like see a classic film later and be like, oh, that's what they were making fun of. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got yeah. it. Um, but yeah, so that's my that's my history with the Ring. Oh, and then I used to see. Remember Suncoast, the store? Yeah. Was, like in all the malls. I don't know if it's still mm -hmm. around anymore, but they used to have a I don't lot think of it is right. It probably went I'm, out. They used to have a lot of I'm international DVDs, um, and I would always watch walk past the international DVD section because I like I just love looking at like the cool covers. And a lot of the times they were like very graphic or very like jarring or interesting, more interesting than American covers. And um, the Ringu one, I would see every time and be like, I want to see it. I'm gonna see it. I want to see it so bad. One day I'm gonna watch it. Um, because in my head, it was scarier than The Ring. It had to be. And so, yeah. Um, I have some good news for you. It's there still open? There are still three in existence <gasps> as of 2022. There's one in Beaumont, Texas, <gasps> one in Omaha, Nebraska, and <gasps> one in Jacksonville, North Carolina. Wow. I'm going to visit one one day and be like, here it is. Wow. Yeah, Suncoast. Okay. Suncoast video. What an interesting place that sold porn international film and cinematic ephemera <laughs> it was okay. always like next dispensers <laughs> it was yeah it was i mean so you could get your porn and your you uh, hit your big three yeah you hit your sun coast you hit your spencers and you hit your hot topic All it's three. got you gotta the you gotta Trinity. hit yeah yes. and then get a blizzard on the way out as you peruse claire's for two seconds oh and then God. you go home <laughs> oh, i want a blizzard so fucking that's bad that's the right jam now. i know god oh that sounds God. so good Oh my god. Okay. okay. Um how do you feel about just jumping into this well of secrets and mystery? 
<laughs> or would you rather get pushed in by a TV? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Journalist Reiko Asakawa is investigating an urban legend several teenagers believe is responsible for the untimely death of her niece Tomoko and several other teenagers. Reiko quickly links four teenagers' deaths to a videotape they watched on vacation that allegedly curses those who watch it, giving them only seven days to live. She manages to find the videotape and decides to watch it for herself and immediately receives a strange phone call informing her of her impending demise in seven days. Noticeably shaken, Reiko asks her ex-husband Ryuji to help her make sense of the tape, believing he may have some insight due to his psychic abilities. He willingly watches the video and requests a copy for himself. The two then begin analyzing the video's seemingly unrelated images, trying to make a connection between its contents and their shared fate. Somewhere along the way, their son, Yoichi, watches the video furthering Raiko and Ryuji's drive to solve the curse. Bit by bit, they begin to unravel the mysteries of the video using clues from the regional childhood rhymes, newspapers, location scouting, and eyewitness accounts. Through their research, they are able to put together the story of Shizuko Yamamura, a woman who gained notoriety after performing a public psychic demonstration organized by her secret love, Dr. Haihakiro Ikuma. During the demonstration, a heckling journalist was killed by their illegitimate daughter, Sarako, who possessed even greater psychic ability than her mother and could kill just by thinking about it, allegedly. Ultimately, Shizuko died by suicide and Sadako was killed by Dr. Ikuma when she was thrown down a well. Raiko and Ryuji find the well Sadako died in and have her remains taken for proper burial. Believing the curse was lifted, they go their separate ways again, but uh-oh, Ryuji is killed by Sadako because it turns out she didn't want to be posthumously saved. She wanted everyone to know her story. Slay. Um, literally slay. Literally slay. Okay, so first impressions. I'm so happy we watched this original one. And it makes me want to read. So I also didn't know it was based on a book series. Yeah. Um, um, written it's... by Koji Suzuki in 91. Ring was one in a trilogy. There's Ring, there's Spiral, and there's Loop, apparently. All centering around the same idea. I'm so happy we watched Ringu because the fact that it's so close to the American one in plot kind of blows my mind because I've always had this assumption that the American one took a lot of liberties like they generally tend to do. But I feel like they followed it pretty... Pre I I don't think it, they did. I think, really? I mean, like, I'm like major plot points, like, but I think there's a lot of context that they changed. Um, yes. And I think that that, like, makes it a completely different story. I also think that the, you know, Sadako versus Samara that we'll talk about later, you know, yeah. I, I think that that is really different. I think the husband having psychic abilities in this one is really fun and really cool. Well, um, I, but, like, the yeah. next one, like, I, <laughs> this one... The mom is a mom. She cares. She's good. She's good at her job. The The dad is, you know, psychic. They don't have, like, he's not really a bad dude. He just, like, sucks as a dad and as, like, a responsible person, like, yeah. a, a father, I guess. Like, and the kid is, like, fine. But, like, the kid in this one doesn't have to make up for his mom's shittiness. And the ex-husband isn't, like, a gross fucking trash boy monster that is, like, awful at every turn. The mom isn't, like... Um, she's actually super capable and like 
in this one, like having the doctor relationship with the mom being psychic too, I think that that really changes everything. And then especially because I think in this one, Sadako is a product of unconsensual uh, sex so um, and this is, uh, of rape, yeah. right? And yeah. like when I was reading the Wikipedia, it was like her lover heard this, you know, and I'm like, I don't think that, I mean, the, the film never really gave me the impression that this was consensual and never gave me the impression, like, especially because of the treatment of Sadako by her alleged father, um, Dr. Akuma. Well, um, also the treatment of her mom, too. She's sort of seen of as this, like, experiment. And, and he's sort of, like, yes. the one who's, like, controlling her. She's not really a person. She's an object. And their daughter is the illegitimate byproduct of this experiment. And he's That's been, how they pose their relationship. Yes. Yeah. And the doctor was also, like, I mean, he was a doctor of, like, ESP and, like, psychiatric stuff, right? So he always, in my mind and in, like, the, the way that the story is told, too, like, he was extorting the mom just as much as her brother who was like selling her abilities for money and doing all this stuff right so she never really had any agency in any of that and like literally for them to have a seven-year-old daughter that's at this thing they like he had to be experimenting on her for what like 10 years yeah you know something like that so seeing all of that and putting this context together and like for me that really changes everything Um, it changes everything because the mom also has these abilities and this is what happened to her it changes it because so Sadako was born out of sexual violence right she was born of this and everything bad in her life and her mom's life you know is because of men is because of a man right and this story is essentially like a woman uncovering the the harm that men have caused to another woman, right? And so kind of women saving women a little bit, well, right? And uh, and women telling stories and, yes. and carrying that on. Whereas like Ryuji, he doesn't share the story. He's like, cool, let's just let this be done. We don't have to talk about this ever again. He, you know, brushes it aside and he is dead. Because ultimately, one of the things that I love about the, the ring revisiting it is it's not about rest or like having somebody finally hold my bones or anything it's about sharing the story it's about not letting what happened happen again it's about letting other people know that this exists and letting everybody know like making sure that this act is not like swept under the rug like she doesn't give a shit about like redemption or about like being seen or like uh, how can i say this like she doesn't want to be um like infantilized like she doesn't want to be her story to be forgotten not necessarily her she oh, doesn't she give wants a shit be- about her or her legacy or anything she doesn't want these acts and these things to go unnoticed that's why like the story that she tells presumably um sadako is the one that put the the images together right it's about her mom and it's about like yeah she's there kind of but not really but it's about what happened to her mom right and telling it in this like interesting way i thought that was really cool but like it's about that and making people see that and confront that rather than yeah. just like, oh, look, you found my body. Somebody knows. And now I can rest forever. It's like, no, yeah. fuck that. Fuck these <laughs> people forever. If you aren't talking about this, like, fuck off. Like, so I yeah. like that. I, I, without a doubt, 100% agree. I think structurally, the way that like the whole movie begins is so similar. And then obviously, as we get more into like the story about Sadako and her mom, 
it is so much more impactful because of that, like, Sadako recognizes the unjust actions of her dad and the situation and their life as a whole. So that whole scene when she's, like, being forced to show that she's telepathic and that journalist is like, fuck you, you're fake, fucking, we hate you and whatever. She's like, oh, the only person I care about is my mom. Sorry. Like, you're going to attack her, you're dead. I'm obsessed with that being sort of like the the our introduction to her power of fatality and her power to kill is like you are going after my mom I'm protecting us I'm protecting our family it changes everything instead like obviously we're going to get more into the ring mm-hmm. american versus that which is like i just want to kill which is like fine and like i love and there's more to it than just that but the way it's posited to the audience <laughs> For us, at least, it definitely is like, it feels more impactful because it is more meaningful. It is the unjust victims of violence and misogyny and patriarchy as a whole. Yes. And them just trying to like survive within it. And like you were saying, the ring and the story of the videotape is their way of making sure to remind people that the system is fucked and the system will make sure that these voices, these female voices are buried and that they will be forgotten. They will be thrown down a well and they will rot forever unheard and unseen. And I think that that's so fucking cool. And it changes everything that I felt about the ring, the, the, the American version looking at this and this being more of the like crux of what the story is. Obviously we haven't read the, the original book that this is based on, but if that be the case, I'm obsessed. I think it's so cool and it changes everything about this movie for me. Yeah. I, I personally, I prefer this version uh, just because I think that there's some, a lot of really interesting things that they're saying that were left out in the, in the more recent one. I think they took a lot of the themes that this one was trying to talk about and I th- <laughs> and they they twisted them to where now it's not about this it's about we'll get into it it's it's yeah. literally it's like about weird kids. <laughs> oh no, it's it's about um how, you know, women uh, some women aren't, you know, made to have children. So that's like a a gross uh, it's sinister it's a, yeah, tale it's, and how I'm adopted excited. kids are always bad and all this stuff. Yeah. So I'm I'm really excited to talk about okay. Let's talk more about this. But yes, <laughs> yeah, that is that's like also the crux <laughs> of what I wanted to discuss for the next one, because it is so like, ooh, what? What are we talking about? I think structurally, maybe there's a lot of like beats that, you know, like uh like well, go that's... here, go here, go here. But I think that the context is absolutely different. Um yes. and changed in fundamental ways that make like because of the absence of certain characters or because of the context from this earlier scene or the lack of this detail in this character i think they're like almost two completely different things yeah i think really it is just the beat for beat like the the opening scene of the the girls at home telling the ghost story and then she dies at home and then there's the wake and then we're introduced to raiko I mean, before uh, the week, though, we have the wonderful scene where we have to establish that she's a bad mom. But anyways. <laughs> oh, yeah. But, um, but but even similarly, it's like, oh, she's the bad mom. And like, like all of these moments, I was like, oh, I'm just so surprised because I feel like oftentimes the American remake takes so many. Like, obviously, thematically, they took a lot of liberties just in what the story is telling. But more so, they take liberties in like 
scenes, like brand new scenes that recontextualize the timeline or whatever. And I feel like this one, it felt pretty like beat for beat. We're going through the story with the exception of a few moments and obviously the themes as a whole. And I was just surprised by how similar it felt. Um, Because also, The Ring is a movie I'm so familiar with. So when I started watching Ringu first to then watch The Ring, I was like, oh, this is like the same movie. That's so cool. I don't know. It's a remake, and I know that, but I was just just impressed. (laughs) (laughs) I want to point out uh, one fun moment in the, I think it's the videotape, or is it the dream? I forget. It's when the dad, or the, the doctor, rather, knocks his daughter into the well um the sound effect is so funny it is like stock image thousand and one movie sounds.com <laughs> sound footage it's like a, i mean like, that was a talkie it's over. It's like, that wasn't <laughs> even a talkie back then I, so like somebody oh had to go in and like add that it was so funny <laughs> i couldn't handle yeah. how like silly it felt because it's like a very serious scene where like he's killing this kid like this is crazy oh you know um, what that's not a video that's a memory right that was a memory yeah exactly yeah, yeah. i okay. couldn't Sorry. remember if it was like boom, boom, boom. It a, was memory a memory or a dream it was a memory yeah it was just I I I could not handle how silly it was. It was like, <laughs> thump, thump. oh my gosh! I mean, if I was a Foley artist, there are, like there would be one sound just for me in every movie. Yes. <laughs> and um, that would I be also, it for this one. One thing that I want to bring up as a trope in a lot of older movies, we don't really do it much anymore, um, because I think as a society we recognize that this is like gross, but. When femme presenting people or women are shown as being affected by something deeply and they're contemplating or or physically affected by like the intensity of 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 something, the trauma of a situation, men instinctively want to hit them. Just. Yep. It happens in like everything where it's like, hey, there's a dead body, whatever. It's like I'm processing this. It's like snap out of it. Hit. And you're like. It happens so much. And in this one, I remember just like, because I was like super engaged. Like, yes, they're at the well. They're under the cabin. Here we fucking go. And then he's just like, fucking. And I'm like, okay. I Um, mean, she's like giving up hope. And in this moment, like, rather than like comforting her like the what he's going to do is like another act of violence where like everything in this movie is like, about and because of men's unsolicited violence against women even the the reporter that died he was like literally in there like fuck you you're a fake blah 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 right and like and sadako just like fuck you don't talk to my mom like this right like and because she was like standing up for herself and her mom and like just i don't know women as a whole in this moment like how dare her do this right like i mean society there's there's no place for that in society right and i'm just like (laughs) fuck <laughs> yeah i just i mean granted i like that the I, I at least for me the character and again it, it's more thematic in this one the character who does the violence against her who slaps her he ends up dying he's like the boyfriend yes i'm happy that that in the story is a continuation of like the vengeance against the reiterative hushing and the violence of keeping women down and quiet and silenced and small. 
Um, and even as somebody who is sort of one of the leads of the movie, who's trying to uncover these unjust actions, he's still a participant and he's still a part of that system. And I know that it's not like clear and concisely this, but the fact that he is a participant, he is still going to be revenged upon. He's still like, he's still a part of it. He's still an actionable participant in it. And so he's not immune to it, despite the adventure that they've just gone on. It's still going to come for him too, because he is just as complicit in the violence against women in this story. And you're like, that's fucking cool. And you're so right. And it's really cool because I I really like the characterization of uh, Reiko. I think she's really smart. She is really capable. You know, is she always there for her kid? No. But no. I mean, she <laughs> she does try. Like she at least tries yeah. to have conversations and stuff, right? So I really like her. We know right off the bat that she's really intelligent. She's like in that newsroom, like bossing these people around. She's like, no, no, no. This is what's happening. This is what I'm doing. And everybody, nobody's questioning her ability. They're like, yes. And then when she goes to Ryuji's house to like ask him for help, right? She is not like, oh my goodness, can you help me? She's like, hey, I need help. His like, you know, because uh, again, he's a participant in this and he is bad, right? His student, who is also his girlfriend, like walks in and she could give a shit less. She does not care. She does not care about any of this, right? She's here to figure this out, to figure out what killed her niece, to, you know, maybe save herself because she doesn't want her child to be motherless. So she's like trying to figure this out. But like, even in all of that, right, like um, we still see her run up against walls that she wouldn't be able to break down without Ryuji being on board, right? Yeah. And to his credit, he's like, oh, shit, this is going on. Okay, cool. I'm on board. Let's figure this out, right? So even though he can, you know, still have these moments of like allyship and like, I want to make sure that you're okay and that, you know, whatever, like he's still bad, right? Like, so he's he- there's the moment where they go to the island, right, to talk to um, Sadako's family there. And the uncle won't talk to Reiko. He's like, fuck you. I have nothing to say to you, you fucking woman, blah, 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 blah. But then Ryuji starts asking. Then there's a different side of him, right? And while he's still standoffish, he's giving information, right? He's telling her that people hated Sadako's mom. Like, they said that she was unlucky. Like, and it's so interesting because we're hearing men's recounting of uh, of these women. We never actually hear a woman like talk about what these women were like or anything or or their memories. So like in her uncle's memory or her brother's memory, I'm sorry, um, she, you know, was talking in like demon speech and all of this. And it's like literally he just did not understand her. And rather than saying I didn't understand her, he's like, oh, she's talking to the devil. And then the whole town is like, oh, well, she's unlucky. Well, she's she's bad. She's she's everything when they literally just don't understand the gifts that she has. And she probably could have saved him from that volcano or whatever. I don't know. But like, well, um, yeah, but again, like it's... she wouldn't be have access to that information without her husband and even his own ESP. Right. It's OK for him to have that because he's a man and it's OK for him to know things and to have this agency and to take these memories from people where it's like, you know, sure, her brother was there like crying or, or not crying, but just like feeling shitty. But like if Rico had that it would have played out so much differently, right? So even in the story itself, like patriarchy is necessary to uncover the truth. And Sadako is still just like, fuck all of this, I hate this. Literally. And I I love her in this. I think she's so cool. She is so cool. She's like, 
the system you fuck you guys it's because it's it feels like such a more not not to say that like revenge is earned but it feels like much more of like a yeah you should fucking kill them like you should be mad at this you should be disgusted by all of this stuff and hey you've got this sick ass power kill Mm -hmm. some people like go go get them like you should destroy them get out of the situation and it's just it's really intense. Yeah. It's a good movie. And it, again, it's so interesting because, you know, Sadako was not allowed to exist with these powers, but yet Ryuji knows his son has these powers and he's just like, yeah, whatever. It's fine. Like, because he's a man in this world that is built for men, he's allowed to exist and exude these things. So Exactly. It is sort of, not sort of, it is character assassination with like Sadako and her mom. What is her mom's name? Shinzuko? Shinzuko. So with the two, I mean, like the way that he's like, oh, I'm allowed, like like you were saying, I'm allowed to have these powers, but they're not, they're talking with the devil, they're bad, like everything they're doing that I'm also doing kind of, um, but they're doing it the bad way and I'm doing it the good way because I'm a doctor and I'm like smart and capable and can do all these things. Uh, And they are witches, so we should kill them. And everyone's Mm -hmm. like, hmm, that's a really good point. The thing you said about witches and women, that's great. We should listen to you. Uh, it's just, it's quintessential misogyny and patriarchy. And it's, I love that that is the key element of the film in just every aspect. That's what we're discussing. That's what we're talking about. And at the end of the day, it is a reminder that like, that shit's bad. And that's why the story exists is to remind us that like, hey, A, don't do this. And B, fuck this system. Fuck the system. Cool. Let's scoot. And like, that's the movie. And that's why she exists. That's why they exist. And it's, I, I'm so impressed by this movie. Yeah. This movie is really great. Yeah. Um, I like, even as just like a detective story, right. Where we're watching Reiko go through these motions and figure like, you know, figure out based on a rumor, right. Oh, this is this. And then like, you know, putting all these pieces together, believing other women, right. The other, the teenagers, the teenage girls are the ones that tell her like, hey, we think that this happened. And she's like, you know, at first like, oh, okay, I don't know. But like, sure, maybe. But she follows up and she does check it out. And it turns out that they were right, you know. I also thought that it was interesting that there's like in that opening scene, and they do this in both films, um, where the two teenage girls are like kind of talking. There's that moment where it's like, their virginity is called into question, right? Where they're like, oh my God, did you? Oh my God, wait, did you? (laughs) Um, But like, I think it's more interesting in this movie because of what that could mean and what that can mean to Sadako being like a child born out of the situation that she was like, so is this her punishing women? Like, is it, you know, like there's, there's a lot of ways that that could go is what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's tricky because, again, it's like, what did they do? Although I think it's more because she is still like she's the monster of our story. Yes. And so I do think that there still is sort of a. (sighs) And that's why I think um, like, yeah, there probably was that like, you know, in Sadako's mind, who is still a seven year old. Right. And doesn't understand nuance and everything and knows the difficult life that she had. And maybe like if they fucked and then there's a kid that's born out of this, they're going to suffer the same fate as me. How dare you push this upon another kid or something like that is something that I think we could look at further if we wanted to. But um, because, again, like, you know, she is 
the the monster of the story her rage and her experience her lived experience is something that she's trying to express to the world and make sure everybody has this and that nobody has to go through it again at least in my mind i think her rage and her monstrous self is like absolutely justified and i'm 100 percent here for it you know But yeah, I did think that was interesting. And in the next one, I mean, it's a whole nother conversation because it's all about infertility. Um, <laughs> but it's 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 awful. So putting myself in the seven year old mentality, it's like, yeah, of course, I'm going to want to fuck everybody up. And if if they're not <laughs> if they're not my ally in spreading my story, then they're against me. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> you know? like, like, oh, you want to joke about suicide? Dead. You don't deserve done. it. Yeah. And I yeah. that that, that I, I like that as an idea because she's like, you know what? Fuck you guys. Yeah. Don't I talk mean, about my mom like that. And in the end, they were just gossiping about her and her mom's story, right? They weren't like actually trying to share it or talk about it or uncover it. Like they were just gossiping, not showing like and again, gossip is what like, you know, spurned like this entire thing. So Yeah. Slay. I'm way Get into em. it. <laughs> yeah. I I mean it's it's a good it is such an interesting and cool movie like especially for this to be like the first cinematic pass at the story what a fresh take and what an interesting story like also, I it's okay. just so good it's so good Yeah and also like supposedly like some of these events were based on historical events or things mm-hmm. from like uh dating all the way back to like the age of the samurai and stuff like that which again is fucking cool so like oh we... like just in terms of the lore of like a sort of like a like a visual um disease of like uh, death maybe i don't know like... i didn't read as far into it but i did read that gotcha. like um the book at least had some like you know there's like the based on a true story or whatever that some of it was based in like actual like generalized yeah. folklore possibly probably yeah that's so cool but i still i still love it i think it's so cool um let's see yeah i don't have a whole lot else to say i do think that the sun was cool i like the sun a lot i liked that he was having a hard time like understanding children's death and what that means for him and in his world yeah. and i liked that the the mom was like actually there and trying to like you know talk to him about it and like explain it, it like be there for him in this moment i did like that and i like that she wasn't a perfect mom like she was obviously gone a lot on her own and everything leaving him to kind of fend for himself but she did try to be there in the moments that like really matter and she was also trying to make sure that hello i'm i'm here for you actually i'm not going to die yeah. um but um yeah and i thought like it was really creepy when uh like i i love the idea of him being psychic and i wish we got to explore that just a little bit more cuz like i love the idea of like uh, his dead cousin telling him to watch the video. Like I was yes. like, that's fucking wild. Oh I my god, I do like that a lot. I don't like the son in the next one. Um, <laughs> I think that like, and when I say I want the kid to be more psychic, I don't mean in that way. Let me yeah. clarify this right here and now before all of you. The uh, M Night Shyamalan eyes and oh my god, hello Rachel, Rachel. Rachel. Oh, Rachel. Just say fucking mom. God. <laughs> like, Jesus. Yeah, I think this is really, really cool. This is way... I expected it to be good because it's the um, the original, right? And Yeah. I mean, s- similarly, I've it's a movie that I've been waiting to watch for literal 
over a decade, a decade and some change. Um, I've been excited to watch this movie, and so I'm really happy we finally did, and it was really a treat and a joy to get to see it. Yeah, it was yeah. different. It, it was, it was not what I expected in in like for some weird reason, but I loved that about it, and I think Same. it's just because. Yeah, I think it was a better detective story. It's a great story. Like, it's just, it's a good movie. It's a great movie. And on that note, let's go to an arguably just as great movie, The Ring. We are going to argue. (laughs) We're going to talk about it. No, I know, I know, I know. Um, Let's talk about it. Let's do it. Journalist Rachel Keller is investigating an urban legend several teenagers believe is responsible for the untimely death of her niece, Katie, and several other teenagers. Rachel quickly links four teenagers' deaths to a videotape they watched on vacation that allegedly curses those who watch it, giving them only seven days to live. She manages to find the videotape and decides to watch it herself and immediately receives a strange phone call informing her of her impending demise in seven days. Noticeably shaken, Rachel makes a copy and asks her ex-husband, Noah, to help her make sense of the tape, believing he might have some insight due to his audio and visual club skills. He watches the video and dismisses it as a student film before blowing her and his assistant off. Rachel begins analyzing the video's seemingly unrelated images on her own, trying to make a connection between its contents and the phone call. Somewhere along the way, Rachel and Noah's son Aiden watches the video, furthering Rachel's drive to solve the curse. Bit by bit, she begins to unravel the mysteries of the video using clues from stills of the video, newspapers, location scouting, eyewitness accounts, and at some point, Noah comes back to help solve the mystery. Through their research, they are able to put together the story of an acclaimed horse breeder named Anna Morgan, who adopted a daughter, Samara, after struggling with infertility. Samara possessed strong psychic abilities, which frightened her mother and prompted her to lock Samara in a room in the barn by herself. Ultimately, Samara had the horses kill themselves, so Anna killed Samara, and then herself. Eventually, Rachel and Noah find the well Samara died in, and believing the curse was lifted, they go their separate ways again. But, uh uh-oh, Noah is killed by Samara because it turns out she didn't want to be posthumously saved. She wanted everyone to know her story. Slay again. Again, we're going to slay people. We're going to slay teenagers. Jesus. Okay. Um, (laughs) So the classic, the lovely, the wonderful film that is the ring in general base level i do love this movie still i think it is really messy and a lot of elements that i really want to talk about with you but overall i still really enjoyed myself watching this apart from watching a horse get like eaten by a boat (laughs) um that part still i still fucking hate every time it happens i'm just like no get away from the trailer let the horse stay and then um obviously it's the movie so yeah i'm like why do you need to go near the fucking horse and she kept going too she She was just like like "Um, no horse let me let me let me talk to you it's like go go to your car this is not consensual literally go to your car this isn't your horse the horse doesn't want to be around you fuck off like whatever also one of the things that just like took me way the fuck out of the story (laughs) um one of the many things when mom fell down the well that Samara was trapped in or whatever. So there she is like 
in two feet of water, and I don't know how she didn't die falling from like when she 40 hit the feet ground. When she yes. hit the ground, because like there's there's moments where she's like pretending to sw- and you can very clearly tell that she is like in like three feet deep water and she's like pr- trying to pretend like she's drowning like she's swimming and i'm like bitch there is like you are this is not a well, good job but also like how also how do you not feel the bones they're literally right there just like you know yeah. hug her and go away like they're right there you feel them well i mean i not don't only understand that. i don't understand how she like did not die Dr- okay. i mean literally like the way she gets knocked into the well where we see like the nails and the screws coming up from the cabin and like the TV like slides down and fucking into her. Like obviously it was like a prop, but the way that that prop of her body like swings into the hole and then we watch it bounce on the stone walls on the way down. I'm like, Oh, she died. She's dead. Like dead. D-E-D, con- dead. concussed, knocked out, drowning at the bottom. Like she's dead. There's no question. Yeah. She's gone. <laughs> Uh, and then she comes up like full makeup, doing well. Like oh, I'm in a well now. You're like she's literally hey. like trying to like <laughs> splash, like she's like treading water, but like her arms yeah. are f- like she's literally waist deep in this yeah. water, and her arms are outside of the water. And I'm like, I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> so good, super hot, sexy slay. Um, thank you, there, thank you there, for that. There um, are so many cool elements in this movie. I want to highlight two off the bat, just as like a goodness moments that were like one. Well, one moment that was sort of in the other one, and one that wasn't. Um, the cut to, like I said earlier, the the mother of the first victim mm-hmm. saying, "I saw her face," and then it cuts to the flashback of her seeing her daughter dead in the closet. It is so good. It is so good and it is so scary. And the way her face looks, the sound behind it, how quickly they cut to it, everything about that moment. I'm like genius, lovely, obsessed with it. Secondly, when Miss Naomi Watts is choking on a little bit of yarn in the kitchen Mm. and she's like, like pulling out this string from her throat and you find out it's what. It was so gross and so cool. <laughs> and you find out it's one of those like electro uh, electric monitor like chest mm-hmm. cups that you like put for ECG or whatever. Um, fucking amazing. Like the whole the, acting the in it too. The fly coming out of like <sighs> the, like those things I loved. Those were things that I absolutely adored about this movie. Like. Um, so cool. I'm yeah. obsessed with because also to like the blurring of the face when the boyfriend is at the fucking convenience store and she's like, you're going to die. He's like, what? It's mm-hmm. like, you shouldn't smoke cigarettes. You're like, that's fun. I love that. Yes. And then he looks at himself in the fucking monitor and his face is all fucked up. And he's like, wait, what's happening? And it's like clicking for him that this is real. And you're like, mm-hmm. I love it. I love it. I love I love those elements. Um. We were talking about something before that we were going to carry over here. Thematically, it was something that we were both feeling was messy. I forget what it was. Oh, we were going to talk about infertility. So yes. um, the recontextualization or like the, the entire news story, because I don't feel like this story has absolutely anything to do with um, the last one. And I yeah. think it suffers for it because I think... Um, the idea of this being something that happened like, you know, 100 years ago or whatever. I think the psychic thing, like all of that is really fun and I think really adds a lot. Instead, it's just like a horse breeder and I'm like, okay, that's boring. But it's a horse breeder who is um, Anna. She can't have children. She miscarried several times. 
you know, and then there's like this un like I guess it is said like between like the doctor and like her husband and all of this where they're literally saying like some women just weren't made to be mothers. So insinuating that infertile women don't deserve to have children. And then that's furthered by when she finally does have a child and adopts Samara, right? She just like is like, I just need a baby. Give me a baby. And she gets Samara. Samara has these psychic abilities that scare her. She's scared of the kid. She locks her away in the tower of the barn, essentially. And then she kills her. She kills she's her like, daughter. She's like, wait, I don't like this one. I actually don't want this I one. I actually Can don't I want this one? one. I'm sorry. No. Can I return um, her? Oh, I can't? Okay, don't worry about it. And then she, like, literally kills her daughter, the daughter that she... Because, like, everybody's talking about how badly she wanted to be a mom. So... For me, like thematically, this is saying that infertile women should not have children because they don't have those maternal instincts. They can't get over that. Also, adopting children is always like they're always going to be bad. There's always something fucked up or wrong with them. So, you know, you shouldn't adopt. You should just, you know, if you can't have kids, you can't have kids and that's it. So I think everything about that is gross and messy and disgusting. And I hate it. Here's also another thematic element to tie in the loop, the horse element, right? The horses play a big role in this, not only through death, but as as thematic figures of free roaming and beautiful and then suddenly stripped of their autonomy in their life. Yeah. However, also, the idea that they are horse breeding, therefore inseminating horses to procreate, and therefore thematically linking the women in this movie two horses to be like well she's not really a a woman because she can't have children like she can't be a mother and therefore she's not like a fit woman because she is lacking the capability to reproduce and for us the men in the story the only reason we really care about her is because of her infertility that's the big moniker on her forehead of like i can't have kids cool so if we're looking at it also from the perspective of like horse breeding she would be worthless in that capacity. And she is told to us in the audience as such. She is seen as worthless, as incompatible for motherhood and incompatible for life in the same way that female horses who are not able to breed in a breeding capacity on this farm would be deemed as worthless. Mm -hmm. And so that tie together, I think, is an extra layer of like, oh yeah, that's right. Like women are objects. Women don't matter um in this story specifically the only reason she is there we are told is because she wants to be a mom and suddenly she can't do it so she's no longer even a woman at that point and her husband didn't even really care right and like to this point he didn't care because she wasn't an actual breeder right she wasn't able to like produce children for him and he's like i just care about horses like several times too like people like he only cares about the horses he only cares about the horses right he only cares about horse breeding but then when she's gone a fucking horse yeah It's and crazy also, and it's when, super gross. And then when he dies, like the, he dies with the oh the I was like, oh my god. It's like he so, has the the bridle uh, in his mouth, yes. like and he electrocutes okay. himself with that. And I was like, all of this, yes. 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 And that also part of me wishes, like, because again, with these themes. The way that it doesn't fully connect them leaves us in the dark a little bit with her character as this like mother to be or like a bad mother. Because instead of saying that like she is the victim of the circumstance of an abusive, emotionally abusive relationship where she's not seen as a person, 
we're told by the movie that, oh, that has nothing to do with it. You're just a bad mom. Yeah. It's like, well, no. Like, sure, yes, that's part of it, but it's not that. It stems from this other part of the relationship, which is her not being seen as a person. She's seen as an object to be bred, an object to be replicated. Like, she's not a person in the eyes of her husband. And I think that lack of humanity and that lack of warmth and stability is ultimately what, like, leads her to, like, kill her daughter. Like, oh, this isn't the daughter that I want. She's unfit to be my child because she scares me. Instead of seeing the human element of let's find the common ground, let's communicate, let's talk, let's work through it. She, my daughter now, is incapable of being a child to me. She is useless. She is an object. and I'm going to throw her away in the same way that she's been thrown away by her husband and by society. And you're like, oh. I Fuck. love that. <laughs> so yes, so so with that context, and if we're linking those two, then I love this, and then my problems are solved. But my problem, but it doesn't is, do it fully well. It, it doesn't do it, it does, well, and that's it never why. links them like that, yeah. right? And um, and I think if it did link them, I think this movie would really be elevated. I think um, I know, I know, and, like, Ugh. and then it it ties more back to like the the first one and like the objectification of women and things like that. And again, I love that. I think that that is all so great. But I feel like instead of seeing her as a victim, right, like we do in the first one, clearly so, right, like both her and Sadako, like in this one, they are both monsters. And they reiterate that kind of every chance that we can. It's like a big like twist when we see that the mom is the one that pushed her down the well, right? And then it's also a big twist at the end, which... I do love this, like, you know, but in in the context of like what we're talking about right now, I don't think it's great because it just further gets away from like what we want these connections to be. But the son, when he finds out that his mom let Samara out, he like looks at her and he's like, what did you do? You weren't supposed to let her out. Oh, my God. And we get the sense of like, holy shit, something bad is going to happen, which now is like really making her even more of a monster. It's making, it's, it's, it's bad. It's it was the wrong choice, man. I love it. I love it, it for how for scary like that, it like, is. I like yeah. for how scary it is, but you're a hundred percent right because it takes the human element out of the equation, right? Like instead of just wanting to, you're be not supposed heard, to help these people. It's suddenly it's like, oh no, <laughs> she is like, she has no human empathy she has nothing she's just here to kill and that's also bled into like when we're going back to the videotapes of like her being interviewed in the mental institution essentially like when they're doing the mm-hmm. tests on her in the in the in the lab and they're asking like well what made you want it she's like but i did i did want to do it i wanted to kill like yeah that's what i'm doing and i'm just like a i'm just like the sick little kid who wants to murder and you're like okay like yeah for sure and that is also scary but it also I think is like the easiest route for this character because literally they're like the whole familial element, the generational trauma of it all with this family. It's so, so there. And I feel like these moments of just like monstrous explanation stuff um, really pulls away, pulls focus from like, the great like the subtext of what she is who she is in context to the story and i hated that i didn't like it and also 
it's not scary enough to be worth it for me. Like, if you're going to do it and it adds the element of, like, that's fucking terrifying, for a horror film, I'd say, okay. Like, you're, you're like, personally, you can, like, weigh those scales a little bit. And if it's scary enough for the sake of, like, yes, it's a scary movie we're trying to creep people out, cool. It wasn't scary enough. It comes off as cheesy and cliche. And for that reason, it pulls away from the subtext of the story. But then also, it just it's like an empty shitty stale bread like yeah i'll eat it but it's it does nothing for me in the long run yeah yeah and there's other things too that like i feel like just really took away from the story especially after watching the first one right the mom right rachel is not she's an even she's a actual bad mom she's an actual really fucking bad mom first of all right it's like oh my god my son is so grown up where he's literally reading his babysitter bedtime stories and setting out his mother's clothes he knows that this guy is his daddy he's like yeah whatever fuck off he calls his mom rachel there's no connection right so like you know we're talking about bad moms and some women shouldn't have children or whatever and this is another child that's had out of wedlock or whatever right so um, so we're going back to that. But the very first thing that we know that we know and learn about Rachel is that she's a bad mom. And almost <laughs> like that's like the most important thing about this character, where she's going to um her son's school and uh she's late, she's on the phone, she gets off the phone, she says shit or something as soon as she walks in the classroom and she's like, Oh, you know, I'm sorry. Her son is just like, whatever, you're a fucking idiot, and runs out. And the teacher sits sits her down, and she's like, hey, have you talked to your son? I heard that there was a death and all this. Have you talked to him? And she's like, no, my son knows that I'm here. He knows. He's doing fine. He knows. <sighs> and then she's like, okay, but look at these pictures that your son's been drawing. And, like, they're disturbing, right? It's like his cousin, like, you know, dead under the ground. She's like, well... You know, she's like trying to make these fucking excuses. And she's like, okay, but he was drawing these before she died. Like, yeah. you need to fucking talk to your kid. And she's like, okay, whatever. And then she has this perfect moment to talk to her son at the funeral. And instead, she just leaves him because she doesn't know what to say. And she goes to talk to the mom who then begs her to look into the story, right? The the mother of the, the dead. Uh, yeah. yeah. She is begging Rachel to look into it because she can, right? And I'm like, this also takes, this takes so much away, right? Because she's not doing this out of the goodness of her heart or out of the curiosity or wanting to know like what happened. She's only doing it because somebody guilted her into doing in doing her fucking job, right? Or into like, you know, using the skills and the tools that she has to like try to make sure that this doesn't happen or try to figure out what happened to her fucking niece, right? So that also sucked. And then like there's other times where like they try to be like, oh, she's girl bossing, right? Where she's like, oh, you can't fire me actually. Actually, you can't fire me. But then the very next scene, she takes the video to her ex-boyfriend or whatever and he's like, oh, and you have to do this. Like, she went to him because he's the expert, but she's like, no, let me touch it. Let me touch it. And then she fucks the whole thing up. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, like, is she capable? Is she not capable? What the fuck yeah. are you trying to say with this character? Like, she is so all over the place. She is so fucking bad. And then to top everything off, she ends it by the her revelation about Samara is that she's like, Samara just wanted to be heard. She kids like yell and cry and draw pictures to get your attention. Like she just needed she she just needed somebody to hear her, right? And the whole time I'm like, your son was like 
yelling and crying and well, like drawing these pictures. Why the fuck aren't you like why? So and she's such a Karen. She's so bad. I, I will say that's sort of why I like the character because she is very much that person who's like, I just learned this thing. Let me talk to you as if I've known it for 20 years and here's why you should be doing it. And you're like, dude. But she's you're... the hero again. Recontent, like make I, yeah. the audience know that she's bad and that we don't like her. But instead, she's the hero you're supposed to be rooting for. Right. And like. Well, because I mean, I mean, yes, but also. She is the hero of the story, technically, but in the end, she still gets everything taken from her, right? Like, I like that throughout the story, throughout the, her relationship, she's learning to be a better mom, not a great mom, but a better mom. That's, like, what we're seeing. And she's also learning how to, like, like with her ex-boyfriend, we see them through this adventure rekindle some level of romance. Like, they hold hands in the car. Oh, they're like, that. I was, which I was so I know, not into but, that. But at least for her character, it's like, oh, she's finally, like, she is getting this thing that she now wants. And it's like, for us, what we're being told is that she's she's kind of coming into her own, her own adulthood. Because everything else generally has been this sort of, like, complacent adolescent immaturity that she kind of just throws at the wall and like, Oh, I have a kid kind of, and fuck you. I'm going to do whatever I want. Like you can't tell me what to do. You're not my mom. Like that kind of thing. That's like her whole deal. We watch that sort of like coalesce into more of a, maybe I should like be a little bit more astute or resolute or whatever. And not so many words, but then ultimately when she finally gets that thing and she's like, I saved my son. I am happy with this guy, his dad, and like maybe we can be a family again, and that's like really cool. Nope, dad's dead. Fuck you. And the son's like, "What are you doing, you idiot, you fucking fool? You don't get it. You never got it, and you never will. You do not understand what you're talking about." She's like, "Wait, what? No, I solved it. I like, I did everything for me and for you." And he's like, "You're wrong." And you are costing more people their lives because of that ignorance. And you're like, you know what I mean? Like the happy family that, crumbling and you're like. <gasps> I don't think that she had any growth. I think she thought that she grew, but I don't think that she did. And I, but that's so what the I mean. son calling her out on that is great. But again, yeah. like I don't think that this movie was written really smartly because I feel like <laughs> if it was, if it tied together some of these things or if it made some of these things more apparent, um yeah. then like a hundred percent I'm on board, but like that's all subtext on subtext on subtext. And like I feel like it just I feel like it wasn't like really there enough for me to be like, fuck yes, I'm a hundred percent on board with this. Also, the shit with Noah, like I don't want him to have anything nice in life. I think he's bad, he's bad to women, he's awful and dismissive. The first thing he does is comment on her not being dressed well. Like he's taking stalker photos of her son um, that we just like glance over and everything. Right. And he's just like ultimately a really bad dude. So I want nothing good for him. And exactly. like, you know, the whole movie, I feel like she's pretty much like, oh, yeah, fuck you, whatever. I don't care. And then he's like he smiles once or he does like something it's, once and it's like oh my god we're connected now oh everything is so great and everything is so much better and i'm like that doesn't like and of course like if she's like you know this this archetype that we're making her her out to be yes but i still wanted things to be more apparent like yes. i wanted i wanted I it to be more overt and less subtext i agree i feel like it would have made more sense if it was a little bit more apparent but i'm still of the mind that like 
it is such a fallacy this this idea that like again that guy's a scumbag he's literally taking photos of this random kid his son who he knows is his son and the whole time is like oh i don't really want to be a part of your life and he's like okay cool and he's just like a bad dude he's he's a misogynist he's just like all of these things and suddenly again like you said it's like oh what he smiled and now he gets to be a dad like what are you talking about like you're not a good guy and you're not good for her but in her mind what she thinks is supposed to be the ideal familial structure and the idea of like growing up and taking responsibility as a mother um all of those conceptions are wrong and I, I, that's to me. I think that's, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Because because then, like, as the hero, we're seeing all of these conceptions happen, and it's a little disjointed. Like, well, no, but like, what? And then it like because also the music cues in that moment when she's like in bed with her son, and like she's like, I did it. I saved everything. I'm so fucking good. Like, <laughs> your life. Like, you don't even get it. Like, I saved your life, and like. I'm back together with your dad and like, I love you and I love being a mom. And it's like, that's the con that's like the subtext of the scene. And she's like, yeah, this is what I did. And he's like, what the fuck? Are you stupid? Are you dumb? <laughs> and then you're just like, what? and then it's like, uh, yeah. And then you watch I too. Love... Cause also you watch her in the, like the, the hallway watching the other girl go up to like find the dead body. And she does nothing. She says nothing. She doesn't warn her. She lets her walk right into that walk into the room. And I know that she is traumatized and she's having a moment here. However, this is like, to me proof that she has not grown at all. Yeah. Right. Like totally. in the moment of the death, there is still this weird internalized misogynistic envy that she's feeling for this woman and not wanting to be seen and feeling like she's like, like somebody to, to beat, like she's an adversary. It's like, she's not grown at all. She has not changed. She is still the shitty person we met and she ends the shitty person we met, but she has now lost everything. <laughs> and you're like, yes, cyclically the ring. She's back to square one and the tape continues. I mean, ultimately the only thing she does actually do well is actively save her son's life by having him make the copy of the tape. And even in that scene, he's like, what is going to happen? And she's like, well, let's not worry about that. He's like, you know what you're doing. Like, you're going to kill gonna somebody, mom. Yes. Yeah. This is going to continue to kill people. And you're letting that happen by making me do this. And she's like, I don't want to think about that as long as you're safe. And he's like, you're bad. Like, this is you're a bad. You're bad, Rachel. <laughs> yes. You're doing a bad thing. And okay. that's the end you of the what? movie. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, like, totally. She I... doesn't change. And he's like, you're a bad mom and a bad person. And you've always been that person. No matter how much you convince yourself that you're not and how much adventure you go on to, like, solve the thing that had nothing to do with you, you're still bad because you don't get it. You still don't get it. And that's where we're at. And you're like... I guess if she wasn't going to die, that's a really good ending. And I love, okay, I really do like hearing you talk about this <laughs> and like be like, no, but this, Jess. And I'm like, oh, yes, you're right. I'm going too far into the, the thing. But like, I just really fucking hate these characters so much. She's, I hate she's so hard to like. So she's much. so like, hard to like. Not that I need to like characters to enjoy a film, but yeah. I just feel like, I don't know, maybe after watching the first one, like that they could have done so much better with these same characters with, you know, like just 
just recontext like just put just put a couple it's, more lines or do a little yeah. something like there's something that in this film is inherently missing that like I feel I, like having that would just yeah but I love hearing I, you talk about this because I really, that's great I really think it's the tie-in between like horse breeding and motherhood if we were to just connect that dot a little bit closer I feel like it would tie everything together because it would like it would make sense for the whole story about Samara and her mom and the envy and the guilt and the trauma and the the objectification and like the lack of autonomy like it would make it would mesh it all together because again under patriarchy women are not people they are objects and this story would reiterate the fact that they are only here to reproduce mm -hmm. says the man the man in power and you're like fuck so sick. And not only that, but because Samara has powers, powers capable of killing people and convincing people to die by suicide, this man, this patriarchal figure, is afraid of her. Mm -hmm. And instead of doing something about it, he essentially makes his wife, the person who he's like, you wanted to be the mom, he makes her do it. Mm -hmm. Even though he's also the one affected by it. And he watches her do it. He watches her do it. And it's it's this insidious cyclical like I I'm not handling this the like you're a girl go do it like she's scaring me she's powerful you need to get rid of her mm -hmm. because she could change the power structure and you're like yes but again if they had tied it closer to the horse stuff and like because all of the imagery too with like the horses and I know I said I hate the scene of like the horse jumping off the ferry and getting hit by the boat but like the moment when she's like going to touch the horse and it's like it, that would have been so impactful if we had already sort of like linked harder the idea of being a mom and like being seen as an object where like she is a mother, right? Mm -hmm. But she still doesn't get who she is in the society that does not see her as such. And she doesn't see herself as such because she's mm -hmm. perpetuating the idea that she doesn't need to do these things. And the horse who recognizes where they are in the structure, that they are an object to be breeded and an object to be replicated, it's like, stay the fuck away from me. Yeah, You're so scary. You don't get it. You're going to cause more death because you don't understand what part you're playing in this misogynistic patriarchy. And you're the problem. Let me get the fuck away from you. Foo, off the ferry. You know what I mean? Like, See, Eric, just punch this up. Do it. It would have, it would have, but it would have made so that because that scene is like a little scary and a little weird, but it would have made so much more sense. And it would have been like, this is crazy cool. It would also make if, more sense if it's like, this is why she's reaching out to it and yes. can't stop. Right. Like, you're so right. All of these things that would have fixed it that it and fixed. not yeah. making samara and her mom actual monsters yes i think like Again. those two things i think then i would have been and, super and, i would have been and i think i think also in my head i like because i like this movie a lot and i've watched it a lot of times and so in my head i've spent time like trying to piece these moments together mm. and so that when i watch it i already have this like preconceived context that i've created for this as like a possibility so then when i rewatch it i'm like oh yeah of course and that makes perfect sense even though that's not there <laughs> which makes me <laughs> like it more because it's like this new idea that i've implanted as, as a subtext that may not even be in the movie um but, but it's... this is why i love hearing you talk about it because like <laughs> first pass for me first pass in like i don't know 15 years 20 years yeah is like well, this is, um, oh my God, this is actually not scary. What was I thinking? <laughs> and <laughs> everybody even, sucks in this movie. 
And it's one of those things because oftentimes with characters, if everyone in a movie sucks, I'm like, what's the point? If the if the yeah, point is that they're that bad, that is how I was feeling. Yes. Yeah. If if the point is that they're bad, I'm like, okay, well then why am I watching this? Because I've said in other episodes where like nothing's changed. You're right back to the beginning. What was the fucking point? But I think with this movie, it's so different because she tries so hard to change it. The whole time she's like, I can be good. I can be good. I can be seen as good by my son, by society, by this guy, by the patriarchy at large. I can be seen as like a viable candidate for the system. And suddenly it's like, no, you idiot. <laughs> like you're still nothing is changing about you. The only thing that's changing is the way you want people to perceive you. And that's the problem. And you're still bad. So even though we started bad and ended bad, it's still the journey that she tries to go on, but it's like it's like as if she started her adventure and instead of going down like the hero's journey, she turned left, went to the bathroom, came back out and was like, I've changed because I peed. <laughs> you know what I mean? She misses the point completely so much and comes back. She's like, I felt so many things and I've changed. And it's like, you haven't even started. Yeah, like you did the wrong trip. You went on the wrong trip. Like <laughs> you're not here. And her, I love just how her son is so poignant. Like, like you're bad. <laughs> like you, you did the wrong thing, and you're bad for it. She's like, what do you mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's just, I yeah, it's 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 cool, and I like it. It's also in my head canonically in the Pirates of the Caribbean universe because of Gore Verbinski, the director. Oh. He directed all the pirate movies. That's right. I think, yeah, yeah, yeah. So in my head. I'm like, I would love if The Ring and Pirates of the Caribbean exist in the same universe just hundreds of years apart. I love this. That's right, the crossover. We need to do it. We can. <laughs> and we will. Thank you. Yes. What else? Did I have another note? I did um, have a note. I had two notes. Yeah. Um, uh, one, I'm obsessed with the UFO light in uh, the kids' room. I did I try so to look bad. that up and try to find it because I was going to fucking buy it right it's the fuck so then. It's so cute. And I could not find, really? I could not find it. I could not find it. So if you, listener, know what this UFO light is, uh, just please slide into our DMs, send it to me. Uh, to, I don't give a shit. Like, I want to buy this light so fucking bad. Um, it is so good. <laughs> The other thing is in Samara's like barn loft that she lives in, I thought it was very funny because uh, they're all there and like, oh my God, this is where she lived. First of all, climbing up ladders is terrifying. Climbing up ladders that are that high is terrifying. Also, don't fucking climb the ladder that close together, especially when nobody's holding the ladder and there's no spotter. Oh my God, that's all terrifying. You're both dead. Um, secondly... In that room, everything is like old and beaten down and like old timey and like, you know, dirty and earth tones, right? And then in the back of one of these shots that they go to like a couple times throughout the scene, there's this fucking bright ass rainbow bright doll or something that is like clearly this was like bought 10 years ago and put yeah. up here, but it's like the only thing in that room that is like bright and colorful. And and it was so fucking funny to me. I laughed so hard. I had to rewind it. I did show David. It brought me so much joy. So um, <laughs> thank you for leaving that in there. I really appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> We did it. We're, We're back. back. We've come full circle, as they say. 
Um, uh, or as we would speak. say, looking up from a trapped well on a bright, bright day. Um, <laughs> we've come full circle. The Ring. Eric, uh-huh. the 1998 Japanese original film, Ring, not the, drop yeah. the, <laughs> it's just <laughs> Ring. Thank you. Who was this for? I'm going to say it's for women. It's oh. for mothers and it's for those affected by the patriarchy and by misogyny at large. Um, Because the more we talk about it, the more it's so clearly that, especially how clear the mother-daughter story in this one was. So that's why I'd say it's for. Yeah. Who do you think it was for? Yeah, I like that. I'm going to just let that stay there. That's it. It's for women. Uh, (laughs) so, So few things are for us. So... Yes, this is for us. Cool. Sweet. Um, Before we move on to the next question, Eric, I want to bring to your attention, you are on Zoom right now, and the ring from... Yes. uh, So Eric's um, Zoom background is uh, the, the well shot from the ring, and it's perfectly positioned where his head is in the middle of it. And it looks like, you know, like the the Virgin Mary or like, you know, how she has like the like ring halo thing around her head. This It's yours. It's your. And I'm kind of obsessed I'm with here. this image. I'm glowing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Anyways, did you like the, did you like ring? Did you like ring? I liked it a lot. I mean, it's, I feel like I've, I've put so much hype into it over the years because I've just, I really love The Ring, and so I've been waiting to watch this version. And um, yeah, I thought it was fantastic. I think it's such a great movie in all of its elements. It it made me want to like go and read the book, the 1991 book that we were talking about, just because it's like, although I did read a synopsis of it today, and I, not the whole synopsis, but there's like a couple characters in there that are like, ooh, maybe I don't want to talk about that, because it's like a character who's like openly talks about like raping people. And I'm like, oh, mm. wait. I don't know if I need that, um, but I still might read it just for context because I do think this is a good story. And if Ring itself is based on that, uh, I'm sure as a whole, it's probably pretty good. But I loved it. I thought I liked it so much. How about you? Same. What do you think? I, I loved this movie. It is so good. Um, I would recommend everybody to watch it. It is. Um, it's just really good and really fun. I'm. I'm yeah, way into it. It's great. It, I'm obsessed with it. I was just so obsessed with like the idea of like, oh my God, this is so cool. The psychic thing is so cool. And this is so cool. And like, you know, and then even like talking about it, like I loved it even more. Like, yeah, it's great. Absolutely. Yeah. What about the 2002 The Ring? Was this new, interesting, or the same? Was this progressive, regressive? How are you feeling about this movie? I thought it was new and interesting because it recontextualized the femme characters, the women in the story. Um, but I, for, for the same reason that I find it new and interesting, I feel like it's also a little regressive because, again, it doesn't tie the loop fully on these themes in the way that the first one is so clear on. Like, there is no subtext, this is what's happening in the first one. Whereas this one's like really trying to get close to that with like the horses and stuff. Um, But it doesn't really quite nail it. So for the reasons being, these are new and interesting topics within the story, especially in pertaining to motherhood. I think the fact that it wasn't clear enough made it a little bit regressive because on the surface, again, it does feel like 
this movie just hates women. Yeah. <laughs> like, without all of that, that's just kind of what it feels like. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm so glad that we talked about it because you had a lot more insight in turn, like, because I first passed, I was like, fuck this. Um, it was, I think it was new and like certain things were interesting, but it was pretty similar in terms of like beats that happened, but just those beats were just completely, completely different, right? Completely recontextualized as we talked about earlier, um, that made it feel to me more regressive because like you said, they just needed to like tie that loop or, you know, and not even like, I mean, all of that could have stayed subtext, like, you know, with the breeding and with all of that, but, um, but there just did need to be like one or one or two more like things to make that loop, right? Um, because like it felt like they just threw it out the window. They were like, oh, you know what? We can't tie this. Fuck it. They're both monsters. And I think that that just like I wasn't a big fan. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wasn't really rooting for anybody. I thought everybody sucked. The kids sucked. The mom sucked. <laughs> the uh, Everybody sucks in this movie. Um, yeah. <laughs> But, you know, I wasn't even rooting for, like, Samara or anything. I was like, I man, know. everybody sucks. Everyone was bad. Everyone, Everyone was, sucks. like, just shitty the whole time. <laughs> so, anyways, who was this for, Eric? Um, It was for, well, I'll say it was for my brother. It was for him <laughs> running and screaming out of the theater. Scariest movie. Scared the shit out of him. He let He ran out of the theater. It was so scary. <sighs> Um, so that's who I think it was for. Who do you think it was for? Um, if I ever meet your brother, that's going <laughs> to be like the only thing like I'm going to talk about is like, so how was the ring? Oh my God. Yeah. Have you ever seen the, ring? the ring? It's so <laughs> wild. <laughs> um, I'm going to say that it was for that lamp, that lamp by the bedside table. It was, that was clearly the star of the movie for me. I literally did stop the movie and go down like a 15 minute Google rabbit hole trying to find that goddamn lamp. So, so that's who this was for. Absolutely stole the show. I'm going to send you something in the chat. I found an Etsy page. Were you just looking for it right now? I've <gasps> been looking for it for the last, since you brought it up. Oh my It's God. not the same one, but. It's good enough. It's oh, close. there's a little doggy in that and one. And it looks like you can change oh. the figure who's being abducted and you can change the color. Oh my God, I'm obsessed. It does look a little bit like a mushroom a when little. the light is on. Eric, I it love is, you. It is Thank so cute. These are so cute. And like, honestly, yeah, you should buy one. They're so, so cute. Uh, when he was going to bed too, I was like, fuck, I want to be this kid. This kid is so sick with this lamp. Fuck. Ugh, okay. Anyways. Did you like this movie? I really like this movie. I still really like this movie. Um, I stand by it super duper firmly. I still think like, obviously it's less scary the older I get, the more that I'm familiar with it. But as a whole, I still like the videotape concept and everything about it, what it meant to me as a kid, what it means to me now. I still love The Ring. I think it's so fun. I honestly like... I know we don't really care about Naomi Watts in this movie. We don't like her character. I think she fucking slams it. I think she does such a good job at being this unlikable mother. It's so like, I think she slayed. She's so good. I really like this movie. Did you like this movie? Eh. Eh. <laughs> eh. <laughs> um, 
I will say that I felt like such a big girl, such a big, like, brave girl for watching it. And I, like, I did, granted, watch both of them in the middle of the day with, like, you know, the windows open and stuff. But even if I had watched these at night, I would have been okay because I'm a big, strong, brave woman. (laughs) And I uh, am no longer affected by these things um, because I'm just so brave and i uh, watched so many scary movies apparently that like i'm immune to um, oh god i'm not gonna say that anyways i'm just big <laughs> and brave and um i did I'm it look of, at me oh i'm my proud god. of you <laughs> oh my thank god, you I for doing this so well. but yeah maybe <laughs> if i like do watch it again i might like it more with like you know after this conversation um I just could not get over how much I fucking hated everybody yeah, and how much yeah. I wanted that fucking lamp. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> that's it. <laughs> well, we've come to the end of another another episode. Um, happy Thank three you. years. How yeah. cool is this? And we're into another Halloween season. So Ooh. stick around for another scary episode, um, TBD. But you're going to love it regardless. We promise the next episode is going to be so fun. I'm so excited yeah. for it. Thank you so much for listening for three years. We have for been doing years. this for three years. We love you so much. Ooh. And especially if you've been with us since episode one or since episode 25 or since this episode. Thank you. We love and appreciate yeah. you. Three years. Wow, Eric. Can you oh believe that? I can't believe it's been three years. I know. Cool. It's so wild. Also, please don't forget to rate and review us uh, wherever you get these cool podcasts and follow us on social media. Um, We don't post on it, but you can pretend we do and we'll all love it. If when we post like you do like that, then maybe like we will post more because then it'll be like, oh, my gosh, I guess I should. This is fun. Yeah, we love feeling validated. Oh, my God. Validation is so cool, especially for somebody with OCD. Wow. Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Our artwork and music is by Eric Lefebvre. Editing is by Danny Barkley. And thank you again for listening. And thank you, Eric. Thank you, Jess. Three years. And remember, stay cute. And stay critical. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. Avatar The Last Airbender is more than just a show. It's a conversation of growth. Of trauma. Of culture. Of intention. And of change. The Momos and the Appas is a weekly conversational podcast from the Nostalgia Network dedicated to discussing the Avatar universe as folklore, episode by episode. I'm Eric Lefebvre. I'm Dr. Amber Jones. And I'm Jessica Tercero. Join us weekly as we dig into all things Avatar and Korra, including Uncle Iroh's hot bod versus his war criminal history. Avatar Aang's well-meaning cultural revisionism versus Zuko's performance of toxic masculinity. How ultimately Katara is the savior and the hero of the story. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, the Nostalgia Network.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.